Hello, I'm Emma McGrath and I'm a solicitor at Citation. This is part one of our two-part mini-series looking at the two most common queries we get asked about deductions from wages. The first query I'll be covering today is all about deductions for training costs. In particular, as an employer, if I spend time and money training my employees and then they leave, can I deduct the cost of the training? Employers also think that this will help to dissuade the employee from leaving if there's an agreement in place around training costs. I'll be considering what steps can be put in place to protect the employer's costs in this situation and what points must be considered. So employee training can cover a variety of situations. For example, it could be things like internal induction training for new employees, compulsory training, which could be through an external course or run internally for existing employees, optional training for an employee, so perhaps they're looking at developing their skills in a certain aspect of the job, or it might even be optional further education for an employee, so in an area that interests them, but which is outside of their role. It's quite unusual for an employer to fund training like this, but it can happen, especially if they want to show commitment or give a benefit to a well-respected member of staff. Sometimes employees are required to pay for the cost of their training, particularly if the course is either not directly connected to their work or it's more their choice to undertake the course. But often it is the employer who is paying, especially when the training is mandatory. Before funding any employee training, the employer should think about what protection they want to have in place around the costs and whether this is appropriate to put in place. For example, if the person is a new employee and is being asked to repay the cost of their induction if they leave, this could be very off-putting, especially if they don't yet know whether they'll actually like the job. This might even make an applicant take a negative view of the organisation, especially if this isn't the industry norm, and they may decide not to take the job. If an employer is struggling for new recruits, it might be better to risk them leaving and losing the cost of the training rather than disengaging the employee from the beginning. Equally, if an employer has an established member of staff and wants to invest in their training, this generous gesture might be tarnished if they're asked to sign a formal agreement about the training costs that's suggesting that they might then leave. As a general point, employers should also remember that if the employee is an apprentice, the government rules forbid any deductions for training costs. The key is to be consistent with employees who are at the same level. So, for example, don't have only some new starters in a department on different arrangements to others. Nevertheless, it is reasonably common to ask employees to repay training costs if they leave. If an employer does decide that they want to be able to do this, it's important to be aware that the law on making deductions from pay is very strict, probably stemming from the fact that wages are such an important benefit to employees. So there are only limited situations when an employer is allowed to deduct from wages. If there's a clause in the employee's contract that the employer can deduct for training costs if they leave, the problem with this is it's probably going to be too vague as the employee won't accurately know how much those training costs will be when they sign their employment contract and therefore they can't properly agree to the clause. Instead, before the employee starts the training, the employer should ask them to enter into a separate training cost agreement. It definitely should be mentioned in the employment contract that they'll be asked to sign this agreement, but the exact details and cost of the training will be in this separate agreement. So, what is a training cost agreement? 
It's basically an agreement that states that if the employee leaves within a certain period of time after the training, then the employee will repay the costs of this training or a proportion of the costs. It will say that this repayment can be made through deductions from wages. There are various things to think about around using a training cost agreement. So one common misunderstanding is that the employer can't enter into a training cost agreement for mandatory training. This isn't true and it can be done. However, again, it's important to think about whether you actually want to enter into this as it might disengage employees who are thinking that it's unfair as they have to complete the training. But perhaps it could be explained by saying that they will still have the benefit of the training if they leave and therefore that's the reason for wanting this agreement in place. It's also important to remember that where the training is mandatory, this will actually have national minimum wage implications to to the deduction. And I'll come on to this later on in this podcast. Another common misunderstanding is that a training cost agreement can only cover external training costs. This isn't correct and it can cover internal training too. However, the agreement must accurately set out how much the training has cost the employer. If it's an external course, then this can be relatively simple in that it will be the cost of the course. However, internal costs are much harder to calculate. So take, for example, where a manager has delivered a day's training. It's unlikely that this is all they did that day. They probably also checked emails, liaised with colleagues, perhaps even squeezed in a couple of phone calls. This other work must also be discounted from the cost of the manager's wages for the day. And tribunals much prefer employers to underestimate rather than overestimate training costs. The agreement will say that if the employee leaves, then they have to repay the training costs. And in this situation, leaving means that they resign or they're dismissed for something other than redundancy. It wouldn't be fair to deduct where they've left because they've been made redundant, as this is outside their control and also something that they couldn't have known would happen. As the employee works through the training and then continues working, the employer is getting the benefit of their updated knowledge and skills. Therefore, a training cost agreement should only last for a limited period of time following the training. We would usually say 12 months and no longer than two years. It's also reflected in the fact that the amount that the employee should repay should decrease as they work for longer in the job. So, for example, the agreement might say that if they leave within three months of the training, they have to pay 100% of the training costs. But if they leave within six months, this would reduce to 75% of the training costs. And after a year, it will be 50% of the costs, etc. So it's a decreasing scale. It's finally really important to get the employee to sign the training cost agreement. Just giving them a copy will not be enough. The law requires that the employer has written confirmation from the employee that they will agree to the deduction. This signing should also happen before the employee starts the training. If they sign later down the line, after the training has finished, then the agreement won't be binding and it won't authorise the deduction. So the final point I want to talk about today was about national minimum wage implications. And I'll now explain what these are in terms of training costs. So if the training is to do with the employee's job, then any deduction for training costs will always reduce the wages for when calculating if the employee has received the national minimum wage for the hours that they've worked that week or that month. Therefore, the employer should not make the deduction if it will push the wages below national minimum wage. So to give an example of this, if the employee is monthly paid and resigns 
and owes £150 for a training course, if this is deducted from their final wages, this would reduce their monthly pay by £150. If they earn around the national minimum wage, or they've not, many, not worked many days that month, it may mean that when dividing their pay by the hours worked, they will not have earned national minimum wage for that pay period. Hopefully this has been a useful recap on this common question, which can be more complex than imagined. If you want further support or have any further questions on this, then please give our team a call on 0345 844 Stay tuned for part two of this mini-series covering deductions for the cost of damage to company property. Music